You are listening to the recording of a live show. Please do not call or text, as this is a recording, and lines are now closed. You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. Good afternoon and welcome to another live program here on Voice of Islam radio station. Uh, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon you all. Uh, you're joined by myself, uh, Safir and Rahil today um, here uh, from London studios here at the Battle Fatou Mosque. Uh, where we are broadcasting from, um, as usual. So, um, today we have uh, two topics for discussion. Um, and the first topic um, that we are going to talk about in this first hour is uh, Alzheimer's disease. And then coming up in the second hour, we're going to talk about um, organ donation. Two, two, to- two topics uh, linked to medical um health and uh, issues so we're going to talk about that um and we'll look forward to um you know speaking to our guests who can also shed more light on this on these two subjects um for us and then also uh we'll be um, um taking your calls as well so do give us a call if you wish to send in your comments or if you, if there's anything that you would like to add to um our program today um, any um, suggestion, any uh, views uh, or angle of this topic that y- you would particularly like to be covered or any story that you want to share yourself with us. Um, uh, of course, when we're talking about Alzheimer's disease, I'm, I'm sure there are so many people who have witnessed that. Uh, maybe, you know, <clears throat> in relation to their loved ones or in their families or relatives um and it could be obviously very very painful uh, you know something to witness um and uh, and maybe you want to talk about that so you're more than welcome 0208 6877878 you can also tweet at uh, voice of islam uk we want to talk about that because of the awareness around uh, alzheimer's disease and um the um, symptoms progress that is happening as well on the medical field However, um, Rahil, looking at that, uh, I think uh, as an introduction, if we look at what this disease is, for those who don't know, mm-hmm. what's Alzheimer's disease is? Of course. I mean, uh, Alzheimer's disease is one of the most devastating uh, you know, brain disorders, you could say, for you know, elderly people. Mm. Um, it is also you know, the most common cause of uh, dementia worldwide. Um, and um, Alzheimer's disease, you know, is a physical disease that affects the brain. Uh, a survey conducted in the UK showed that there are currently about around uh, 900,000 uh, you know, people living with dementia in the UK, which is quite you know, a high number, of mm, course. Almost a million. Yes. Um, uh, and as of now, there is no such cure um, for this disease. But medication can uh, be given to slow down the symptoms mm. or just to control it, right? Uh, you've got to live with it. In a, in a in a in a way um, at this current time, uh, now being diagnosed with this disease can you know understandably uh, you know cause the uh, sufferer and their loved ones you know great pain, you know especially because um, 
at the moment we have not found a cure. Mm. And that 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 is not to say Safi that there isn't a cure yeah. because we know from from um from the Islamic perspective there's a very specific saying of the Holy Prophet sallallahu where he says that for uh for every disease there is a cure, you know. Yeah. And um so hopefully and uh inshallah as we say God willing we yeah. are able to find um you know um yeah. inshallah I mean that's again uh, something that we have uh, mentioned before as well I think you know, we have done numerous topics and discussions yeah. on cancers and other mm-hmm. illnesses which don't really have a cure True. at the moment. Same with, you know, Alzheimer's disease. Mm-hmm. But again, as you said, you know, uh, there is research going on and obviously people are going to st- study the disease. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of uh, research that goes into finding the cure. So God Almighty has given us the brain power, you could say, or the skills to, mm-hmm. to work on that. But at the moment, mm-hmm. we don't have that uh, knowledge. Um, but, but obviously, we hope and pray that uh, soon this can be uh, found. The, a cure to that can be uh, found as quickly as possible so we can mm-hmm. uh, tackle this issue as well. Mm-hmm. Um, now, looking at Alzheimer's disease, um, mm-hmm. what are the causes? How does that <coughs> happen? Um, basically, in this disease, uh, the, the billions of nerve cells, uh, you know, there's billions of them mm-hmm. that make up our brain, uh, are not all able to make connections with each other. The brain contains uh, important chemicals that help send signals to the cells. Mm-hmm. And people with disease have uh, well, people with particularly with the Alzheimer's disease have fewer of these chemical um, signal bearers, or you can say chemical messengers, who mm-hmm. bring that message to the signal to, to uh, the, the signals to the individual cells. Mm-hmm. Now, due to the damage to the nerves in the brain, the brain becomes less able to work properly, and due to uh, this kind of damage, mm-hmm. uh, these cells eventually then die and, and the brain tissue is lost and I think it, what fascinates me when we mm-hmm. um, look at you know uh, diseases and, and especially diseases connected to the brain mm-hmm. it's just amazing how God Almighty has you know how our, our the whole <coughs> body actually is, is functioning and especially mm-hmm. the brain which has which is just you know it's just the jelly in there but mm-hmm. there's so much else so many like billions of cells mm-hmm. plus you know so sophisticated systems are you know n- nerve system that's going mm-hmm. on as well controlling the whole body and mm-hmm. you only think that something little bit goes wrong mm-hmm. and then suddenly you know you have <coughs> issues yeah. you will have serious diseases like alzheimer's disease or other things also people who have i think nerve damage or, or of, of any kind of, of different uh, nerve d- damage examples can lead to other problems you know um so it's Mm-hmm. It really is something that we, I think as human beings, we sometimes take it for granted that we have a good health, that we are able to you know, sit here and speak, that we're able to mm-hmm. pick up our our books, our papers, we're able to walk to the, you know, mm-hmm. to, to, to our work, we're able to run, you know, mm-hmm. do all of these things. It would not be possible if, if all of these cells and all this system wasn't working properly. And mm-hmm. here we know that, you know, when the damage happens, then... You Absolutely, know, it's, it's very devastating. No doubt. I mean, um, as human beings, um, you know, we we expect you know to live a very long life, um, and we do what we can to, you know, uh, make sure that you know we we live the maximum amount, you know you know amount of years. Yeah. And uh, 
it's, it's recently the you know the passing away of the Queen, re- and I was I was listening to one of the programs and. Um, Something interesting you're saying that a lot, of course, a lot of people are mourning, and there's on, on the other side the people saying, you know, why, uh, why such, you know, uh, big, uh, why are you making it into such a big thing and stuff like that. But he said something very interesting, and he said that an individual that's lived, you know, up until let's say 96 or nearing to 100, I think their life should be celebrated. They've lived fully, right? Mm. They have every moment, you know, that they that that they can. And this is why there's great emphasis in, in the Holy Quran of asking Allah the Almighty for good health. Yeah. Right? Um, we say, Allah, Rabbana atina fi dunya yeah. hasana. Oh Allah, grant us the hasana, the goodness of this life. And the akhirati hasana. And in the hereafter. Mm. Um, and, and we know, I mean, I tell you, man, even a slight change in your normal circumstances, whether you've, you know, you've been a nail a bit too much, smallest of things you would you would see. Um it, it you 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 know you you out of routine and and, and you can't function. Mm. It irritates you, right? If if you've got a small cut, mm. if you have a you know cut cut yeah, yourself yeah, while cutting course. a fruit or something, mm. you would know. Therefore, for certain amount, or whether it's a toothache, all of these things we know. Us as human beings, you know, we are a universe in ourselves. You yeah. know, this whole being, yeah. it's not functioning. Yeah, know. it's a miracle, it's, isn't exactly. it? Exactly, it, it, it just yeah, can't can't it can't just be a you know. A coincidence, but specifically with regards to this Al- Alzheimer's disease, mm. I, I was just thinking uh, there's this. This has to be a verse in the Holy Quran that that you know that alludes to this. While you were assigned the program, and and luckily I found it. You know, oftentimes you you you, you remember a verse, but the specific actual, verse yeah, that yeah, you yeah, can't yeah, exactly. think of the reference. So, so this is from it, yeah. chapter An Nahl, uh, verse seventy one. Mm-hmm. Allah the Almighty says, um, uh, and I uh, you know read I'm reading the English translation that says, and Allah creates you, then He causes you to die. And there are some among you who are driven to the worst part of life with the result that they know nothing after having had knowledge. Mm. With the result that they know nothing after having had knowledge, surely Allah is all-knowing and powerful. Mm. I mean, we we have a decay in our intelligence. It mm. is only Allah the Almighty, you know, just putting into perspective in Allah and using this, you know, we say the sifat, or the attributes mm. uh, at the end of, of, of a verse mm. that are very much linked to it. This, this could have been any other attribute. Yeah. In a who are Rahman or something, but Allah is saying, "In Allah, Alimun Qadir." It is He who is all-knowing, mm. right? Yeah. Sometimes people think, "Oh, we know all of this, so <laughs> we have like, attained so much knowledge." And yeah. We, but at the end of the <coughs> day, we we must not forget that we are just human beings, and we are mm. prone to diseases, and mm-hmm. we should be thankful. One, thankful to Allah for the health that we mm. have, and even when we have. We go through difficult times, whether the diseases, challenges. We should always try to be positive. Absolutely. Because at the end of the day, as you mentioned, you know everybody is going to pass away from Mm. this world, and it's about you know making your life most productive and and you know uh, living it in the best possible way. And according to this Islamic uh, teaching, the best possible way to live is is to be most useful to other people and Mm. um, you know to worship Allah the Almighty. Living a a conscious life. Of course. Of course. Uh, And and, you know when we say we often say taqwa, fear of Allah. It basically translates to being conscious. Yeah. You know, every deed, every act, every every word, everything that you do. Yeah. um, You should be doing it consciously because there would come a time and you would not n- know nothing after having had knowledge. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that... So, it's so emotional. You know, some of the videos yeah. that you see online, I've seen mm. ma- many videos you come across where the daughter sitting ne- ne- next to their mother or their mm. father and they don't recognize their children. Yeah, yeah. Right? I mean, we've seen it in our own it's families. So, I, mean, yeah, I, I remember from, okay. from my own family that, you know, mm. there was one of our elders who had Alzheimer's uh, and it was very painful to, mm-hmm. to see because, you know, the, the effect it has on, on the memory. But then also... Mm-hmm. 
elders in in the family people who get old um you know our grandparents they they automatically they they are their memory is not the same yes. you know so so it does it, it is a concern you know you do mm. get um uh, sad looking at this uh, but then that is the reality of life as well so at that time you have to kind of remember the good times as well isn't it i think one a- absolutely yeah. i think one aspect that we need to um you know um emphasize is which islam puts a great emphasis on mm. is how we treat our parents mm. you know our relationship with our parents yeah. in an age of um, you know when they when 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 they're completely fit and healthy especially in this western world where you know of course you've got after school you know after 18 kids become independent they're living they get married they're living elsewhere and stuff like that and then obviously and I was thinking another video and I'm coming back to these videos is this guys asking another person how how many times a year do you see your parents like probably three four times mm-hmm. so he's like so they're just being he goes how old are you now he's like I'm 40 they're like okay so let's say if you live by the age of uh, 80 you would only meet your parents x amount of times so he's like mm-hmm. oh and <laughs> that just made him think yeah um and no one knows whether you know, yeah. one will live that long so i think it's just appreciating yeah you know the life and being conscious exactly. again of uh, going through showing the love and, to uh, the to the elderly i mean uh, sometimes very maybe very they they would forget and and repeat something over and over again mm. and to make sure that you do not get fed up that's or frustrated big, yeah, that's a by such point, issue, yeah. you know things are very very important because you after a few years you may be in in yes. that same position you know yeah. so that again very very good point that you mentioned um 02086877878 is the number to call you can also tweet at voice of islam uk if you wish to uh um share um any point uh, any uh, anything you would like to share with us you're more than welcome to do that we have our lines open all the way till 6 pm we're going to go to um Our first guest for today's show um we have uh, with us Dr. Kerry Bray um who leads the public engagement team at uh, Alzheimer's Research UK and after working as a dementia researcher um she stepped away from the lab to help build understanding and awareness of dementia and research into the condition um uh, we also know that her team delivers a range of events and initiatives to spark discussion between researchers and the public so Let's uh, go to Dr. Katie and uh, speak to her about this. Uh, good afternoon, Dr. Katie. How are you today? Good afternoon. I'm great, thank you. Thank you for having me on. Uh thank you very much for joining. Um you you've worked with the uh with with the dementia res- uh, research as well. Um could you tell our listeners, I mean, what is the difference between Alzheimer's disease and dementia or are they similar? That's a really good question. It's probably the one I answer the most. So hmm. the way I like to explain it is if you think of dementia a bit a bit like a umbrella term and it describes a range of symptoms and those might be symptoms like problems of memory, changes in personality, um problems doing everyday tasks and these symptoms they get worse over time. Um and that's what dementia is. But what causes those symptoms are different diseases and the most common disease that causes these symptoms is alzheimers that's why people often use alzheimers and dementia to mean the same thing but actually alzheimers is just the most common disease that causes these different symptoms and there are other forms of dementia as well that your listeners might have heard of like vascular dementia or frontotemporal dementia or dementia with lewy bodies so there's lots of different types of disease that can cause those dementia symptoms mm so If I understand it correctly, Alzheimer's disease could be a very 
um, a light kind of uh, disease in the beginning, but then it can develop into dementia, or did I get it right? Yeah, that, that, is, that is kind of on the okay. right track. So there's a disease that happens in the brain, and then over time as that disease progresses and causes more changes and damage within the brain, you get more and more symptoms of, of dementia. Very interesting. Um, I mean, just to uh, understand uh, the aim uh, of Alzheimer's Research UK, um, you know, some of the work that uh, you guys have been doing uh, for the benefit of our listeners, if you could explain what is the aim of it. Yeah, of course. So we are the UK's leading dementia research charity. Mm-hmm. So we our kind of core focus is on funding scientists and doctors to understand what's happening in the brain, what's causing these changes that cause these diseases, and to try and create new and better ways to diagnose these different diseases and to treat them more effectively. Because right now we're probably diagnosing people at least a decade too late and actually, when they get a diagnosis, the treatments we have, while they can help with symptoms, they don't slow down those diseases. And actually, they don't offer people a, a kind of long and sustained good quality of life. So that's really the challenge that we're trying to face is to improve mm-hmm. diagnosis and improve treatment through mm-hmm. funding kind of science in labs and clinics to understand the brain. Very interesting. Um, there's one thing I did want to ask is, uh, where do we stand then in terms of research over the years? And, and I mean, do you, would you also explain how long it's been going on, this research, uh, and where we are at this moment in time? Yeah, of course. So <coughs> we've kind of known of the disease that we call Alzheimer's for over 100 years, but mm-hmm. it's only in the past 30 or so we've understood some of the biology of what's happening in the brain. Mm-hmm. But one of the big challenges has been that many people don't realize that dementia is caused by diseases like Alzheimer's. So there hasn't been as much research into these brain diseases as there has been into kind of other areas. Mm -hmm. So we've seen that start to change, I would say, over the last decade. So about 10 years ago, the G7 nations met and their focus was on dementia and they had various recommendations Mm -hmm. and a lot of that was around doubling the funding that goes into research Mm -hmm. and we as a charity as well we've really increased the amount of funding that we're able to put into research as well Mm -hmm. so i'd say there's a lot of momentum building over the last decade or so but Mm -hmm. we're still behind a bit uh, Mm -hmm. compared with other conditions like heart disease and cancer where there's been a lot more investment into research historically Mm -hmm. and in terms of um you obviously I mentioned that this disease have been around for for a long time and have been researched upon for a long time as well. Do you feel that um, the cases of people with um, you know uh, dementia or Alzheimer's disease um, are showing up to to be increasing or or decreasing over time? It's probably linked with how modern medicines change, but also some of the ways in which we're living have changed. So. We're that much better at treating some other health conditions that people survive things like cancer much more than they did 30 to 50 years ago. Mm -hmm. But actually what we haven't done is been able to slow down or treat dementia. So we, in some ways we do see more people with, with dementia because we simply have more people living longer lives. So people kind of more people are living into their eighties and nineties than they were do a hundred than they would do a hundred years ago. So it's a bit of a mixed, case in terms of probably the number of people developing it has stayed the same we just have a lot more people reaching those later decades of life and therefore we do see more people affected by dementia okay and uh, 
what have been going on in terms of i mean projects and uh, um awareness around um, alzheimer's disease other specific dates uh, months that are dedicated to awareness and uh, i guess uh, uh, charity as well uh, towards uh, projects mm. so this month is known as world alzheimer's month so the whole of september you'll see lots of organizations talking a lot more about dementia highlighting a lot of different aspects related to dementia um so this is a really good time really for me mm. to come on and talk about it and in terms of our own work, so we've been doing a lot more this month to try and highlight particular things. Um, and so we've just announced kind of new research projects that we've funded, so new scientists that are now working in this area. And we've also been promoting um, particular topics that are important. So mm-hmm. one area we have quite a lot of challenge around is that we need more people to take part in research studies because Mm. if they take part, then we're going to be able to find these new ways to diagnose and treat dementia. But actually at the moment, only about 2% of people in the UK with a diagnosis of dementia are actually signed up to hear about research studies. So we've been promoting um, something called Join Dementia Research, which is like a register that anyone can sign up to whether you have a diagnosis or not. But it just means that you're saying, I'd be interested to hear about studies that I might be suitable for. And then researchers can get in touch um, and tell you more about those studies and enroll you if you're the right sort of person and you're interested in taking part. Mm -hmm. So we've been really promoting that this month to try and talk about how important it is. And it's one of the things that people can do to really help. And we've also been doing, um, I would say, some awareness raising work with particular groups or communities. So actually, one of the things that we know is that people from South Asian communities, mm-hmm. there's probably a, like a lower understanding of awareness <clears throat> of dementia. And mm-hmm. so actually we really want to build that and tell stories of people in those communities. So we've been sharing a film this month with um, a lady called Avashi, and she's married to a man called Bupendra, who mm-hmm. has frontotemporal dementia. So mm-hmm. we've been sharing that film across social media to try and get conversations going in South Asian communities about dementia and really build that understanding. Mm-hmm. So that's just a, a couple of things that we've been up to this month. But really, it's about starting those conversations and highlighting the real importance of research. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's uh, fantastic work that uh, is uh, going on. Um, can I just ask you another question just before we we, we move on? Um, of course. Of course, there's there's a lot of listeners who, who might be thinking, you know, how do we support um our elders um people who are suffering with uh, dementia or uh, alzheimer's disease um particularly very painful obviously for relatives when when they have elderly who might not even remember them you know it's it's a very mm. difficult situation for them um how do they um kind of support uh, their elderly in, in that time how and you know in which ways um, can they support themselves, I guess, as well um, uh, with, with this? I think there's a number of pro- approaches people can take. I would say the first thing is to st- try and stay connected with family members who have dementia. So although it can be really difficult to know how to talk to them or how to interact, just really trying to kind of maintain contact with them and be in their lives is really important, um, no matter how hard that is. And then it's about understanding some of the particular things that they might need in terms of support and knowing where to turn. So there's a a number of organisations work in this area offering support groups or advice or being able to point people towards um, other places they can turn to for support. 
So we we run a phone line and people can ring us and, and ask us questions and we can signpost on to other organisations. Um, it's one of those things where there's lots of different organisations who do slightly different things, um, but certainly there is it's reaching out, it's kind of talking about the, the, the experience of it so that it's not so stigmatised and hidden away because actually that's going to really help progress around dementia as well. Mm. Absolutely. All right, uh, Dr. Katie, thank you so much for joining us and um, taking our time to, uh, to, you know, raise awareness on this. Uh, that's exactly why we're doing this today. Thank you so much for your time. Brilliant. Thank you for having me. All right. Have a nice day. Bye bye. Zero two zero eight six eight seven seven eight seven eight is the number. Um, that's zero two zero eight six eight seven seven eight seven eight. Um, so the likelihood of of getting uh, dementia uh, increases with age, as uh, as we know from research. Uh, one in fourteen people <coughs> aged over sixty five have uh, dementia, uh, and this rises to one to s- one in six people over the age of eighty. Mm. And then one in 20 people with dementia are actually younger than 65. And also there are 42,000 people under 65 with dementia in the UK. And this is known as the youngest, uh, the young onset dementia. Mm-hmm. So, um, Rahil, I, I think we can look at symptoms. We have already talked about some of the mm. symptoms, but uh, let's see if there are some other symptoms that we can look at in order to better understand um, how yeah. to look out for this uh, disease? Of course. I mean, the symptoms of, uh, you know, Alzheimer's disease are usually mild to start with, but, you know, as the, uh, as more brain cells are damaged over time, the symptoms get worse. Uh, this then means uh, that, you know, different from the changes that lots of people have as they get older, such as being, you know, a bit slower at things, uh, thinking things through and or... or kind of forgetting something occasionally mm. this disease tends to affect different people uh, you know in their in their own individual way uh, however you know that some of the common symptoms would be you know losing items forgetting names forgetting recent you know events getting lost in familiar places or forgetting appointments um, so now the question is whether we can e- either even prevent it um, yeah. and so there are various different factors that you know affect whether someone gets Alzheimer's disease or not uh, and some of these risk risk factors can be changed, uh, but others can't. For example, you know risk fa- risk factors such as age. This is the main and the biggest factor in this uh, disease and gender. There are twice as many women as men over 65 who get this disease. No, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't know that as well um, uh, until recently. However, there are some risks, uh, you know, uh, risk factors, of course, that we can change, such as lifestyle. Uh, people who have a balanced diet and include nutrition are less likely to develop Alzheimer's disease and health problems. It is important to keep you know these under control and to uh, and to get support early, as you know these uh, lead to, of course, a a very high risk mm. of uh, you know this disease. Yeah, I think one thing that is very common with all the diseases that we have over time discussed here mm. in Voice of Islam is the importance of having a balanced diet and also. Um, Activity, so so mm. keeping yourself, you know, fit and um, having some kind of exercise, mm. which I think again uh, comes down to you know uh, one of the fundamentals in the Islamic teaching as well that mm-hmm. you you are supposed to eat in moderation mm. um, and, and <coughs> not to overeat and. Your uh, your diet should be balanced again. Mm. You know, eat, eat which is tayyib, which, which we uh, which we say, 
wholesome, wholesome which is uh, and it's of course you know difficult uh, at times that is difficult and that is the challenge uh, mm. in in this kind of uh, environment that we live in nowadays where this it's so tempting and easy to just you know grab fast food or eat processed mm. food so i think that's something that everyone has to be mindful of of uh, mm-hmm. of uh, keeping an eye on 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 our diet on our uh, consumption of food as well as also uh, trying to keep healthy by being active uh, that's again uh, another challenge with, with obviously the lifestyle that is mm-hmm. normal now where people are mostly sitting throughout their work and then going home you know and, and then obviously not you know moving around and they obviously say that you should aim for those 10000 steps a day but you know that's that's a difficult thing yeah. unless you really <coughs> set out time to actually do it you're right but it again shows that it's so important uh with all these i'm not saying that all of that can guarantee you that you don't get any disease disease yeah. but it goes a long way to prevent um and that's the best you can do and then obviously Absolutely. pray and just you know um hope for the best i guess um let's go to um um first of all i think we can we can look at um other ways how we can um uh perhaps uh, prevent it um other than um um uh, diet and uh, and uh, exercise is there any other way um i think we've we've covered basically yeah. nutrition balanced diet um you know um i think uh, keeping your mental health of course i think can 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 also help um basically exactly. just to just to keep these under control and 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 to get the support as 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 you mentioned early mm. earlier as early as possible yeah um and uh, look the, at the at the end of the day this this you know this disease of course you can only do as you were stating as much uh, as possible yeah there are there and there's been times where people you know have been living very healthy lifestyle yeah um and uh, they you know the diet was on point they went to gym they were doing all of these things yet they had they you know they were diagnosed with cancer all these things and i think what the hell i mean where is this coming from uh, i was i was perfectly fine you know I, i've taken care of all of these things that is not to suggest that one should now just be like no uh, we can do whatever we want and take that as an example for the uh, you know um to so says to even suggest that you know it doesn't matter what we eat and doesn't matter what we do and have so this thing but you've got to realize that um and that's this is where the idea of qadr comes in for us in islam right that that any affliction that we we face in this life and 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 the whole idea of that life being temporary hmm. i don't know if you came across one of these um these uh, this is a muslim brother who was a millionaire and then all of a sudden he had uh, caught cancer and at the time when he caught cancer uh after that when they they were interviewing him and all this and he just changed his life around so he was living a very you know um affluent lifestyle and you know cars and all of these things and then all of a sudden he became to a realization that I've been told I've got x amount of days left and he's his persp- it was so astonishing to think to see that his, his whole perspective on life changed yeah. and he's he's calling this he's calling he said cancer cancer is basically a blessing for me can you and you think you're saying that thinking how can he say that mm. But Because, then of course you mentioned he yeah, yeah. So that that was a turning point, turning point. so that cha- that made him uh change his perspective mm-hmm. that this life is is temporary right we can yeah. go any moment any any time yeah. right so we're not that, guaranteed that is even actually, the next yeah very so very I think I think a lot of people they they hide away from that they run away from that but the reality is wherever you run uh, was was the fi fi buyut in mushayyada even if you're in you know big castles or 
wherever the death will reach if you. You're in the bunkers. <laughs> yeah, if the your time is there, you your time exactly. is there. Exactly. So, so I think it's that, it's that realization yeah. is very important. I think this is where the contentment comes in because yeah. there's only that there's only so much that a human being can do. Yeah. And then I think for for those people who are religious, uh, from the, from a religious perspective, I think it it gives them perspective to it. Mm. Yeah. Right. It, instead of thinking why me, mm. instead of thinking why me, right? They know that look, there is a life after this mm. where we are recompensed, and we and we 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 hear the hadith of the Prophet peace upon him where he says that even a thorn, which pricks a a believer, mm. that he would have you know the reward for the, that. The, the reward yeah. for that. Yeah. All right. Um, interesting. Uh, we'll come back to that later on. But let's go to our uh, next uh, guest. We have uh, Paola Barbarino with us. Uh, Paola is the CEO of Alzheimer's Disease International. And prior to this, she was the CEO of Life and occupied senior positions with the class of business school. Um, and she's also a board member of the World Dementia Council, uh, along with number of other um, hats I guess that she has. Uh, Paula, thank you very much for joining us. How are you today? I'm very fine. Thank you very much for inviting me on the program. Thank you for joining us. Um, your organization Alzheimer's Disease International, tell us uh, what the aim of that is and, and what, what you do, please. Um, Alzheimer's Disease International was founded in the 80s and behind every major disease uh, there is usually an international organization that does advocacy <coughs> at the uh, level of the World Health Organization and the United Nations, as well as other bodies like the G7, the G20, OECD, etc. Um, uh, our organization was founded in the 80s, which is very late. Um, if you think that the cancer one was founded in the 30s and the cancer and Alzheimer's were discovered pretty much at the same time, it just tells you the stigma behind Alzheimer's and dementia and how long it has taken for people to really get conscious of this important disease. Mm -hmm. So we were funded then to do advocacy at that level. Uh, in order to do advocacy at the UN, you have to have international members. So the first 20 years we spent creating a network of member organizations, some in low and uh, middle income country, where we also um, develop organizations. Sometimes we take a group of uh, volunteers, often doctors and nurses or uh, caregivers, who uh, can see the lack of interest, the indifference of uh, government or of society around the very vulnerable people that have dementia and decide it's time to take action. So. We also um, uh, teach them how to be a good civil society organization, how to have good governance, how to fundraise, how to do awareness raising in their country, how to deal and, and interact with their governments. And um, when we got to about 45 organizations, we applied for status. We became a non-state actor, which is the official name of uh, official charities that work with the UN WHO system. And then we um, have been doing advocacy ever since. We managed to get the WHO to approve a dementia action plan, a global dementia action plan in 2017. And in the latest year, we have been working to make sure that this doesn't just stay a piece of paper, but then every government translates these into actionable uh, things that people uh, can do uh, in practice. 
Uh, we also publish every year something very important, which is called the World Alzheimer's Report. We publish our latest one la- yesterday. Is the most important thing that come in the year around uh, Alzheimer and dementia. This year is around post-diagnostic support. So uh, the support that families should receive after a diagnosis and they often don't receive. Um, and the third thing that we do is that we are the creators and promoters of World Alzheimer's Day and World Alzheimer's Month, uh, which I think is the reason why we're having this conversation yesterday was World Alzheimer's Day. Mm. And this month as well is uh, obviously Alzheimer's Month of Awareness, which was initiated by Alzheimer's Disease International. Um, so in the end, I mean, uh, looking at the bigger picture, what what are you aiming to achieve uh, with with this uh, with this awareness, the bigger picture is that we would like a better life for people living with dementia and for their families. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically, a lot of us in society are finding ourselves with um, members of our families uh, that have dementia. There is 55 million people currently in the world having dementia. Not all of them diagnosed. Mm-hmm. Uh, every three seconds, somebody in the world develops dementia. So, unfortunately, it's extremely common. It is becoming increasingly common. In fact, some of the latest figures are quite shocking in certain countries, like uh, in the Gulf, the prevalence uh, is uh, becoming bigger and bigger. And this is in part as a happy consequence of the fact that we're all living longer. But uh, the fact is that many families do not receive adequate information, support. And there is nothing, you know, often people are, are go to a doctor, if they're lucky they get a diagnosis and then they're given nothing to do. And that is unfair because there is a lot of organizations in countries here in England, for example, there are so many charities that focus on Alzheimer's, the biggest one, the Alzheimer's Society is a member of ADI. And, um, these charities have a lot of information, pro- provide support, uh, signpost you to support the group, both for people living with dementia and for their family. But a lot of uh, primary care uh, practitioners don't know. Um, when we did our large survey in 2019 of over 70,000 people in over 100 countries, uh, we realized that 62% of healthcare professionals, this is doctors and nurses, still believe Alzheimer's is caused by normal aging and it is not a disease. Now, we should be under no mistake, Alzheimer's is a disease. So if you look at the brain of someone with Alzheimer's mm-hmm. and a brain of someone who is healthy, these two organs look completely different. So, uh, but if we don't have, you know, our doctors and nurses even understanding that, then what's the uh, what's the chance that we have to the larger public understanding is a disease? Mm-hmm. And if the people don't understand is a disease, then stigma continues. A lot of family hide the fact that they have a relative with dementia. They are ashamed of it. Mm. There's nothing to be ashamed of. You know, we mm. we can all go through this, and we can support and help each other and be useful and loving and caring to each other. Mm. Absolutely. I had a question. I just wanted to ask whether you know, someone's going through this uh, this element of dementia, um, of course, you know, the, the symptoms vary and, you know, um, someone, you know, going through, let's say, loss of understanding or uh, memory loss, let's say. Is there any way of, um, you know, teaching them that back, 
let's say so someone who's who doesn't remember something from the past yes. can can they relearn something or or for example let, let, let's say someone doesn't remember that the individual is their son or daughter so what yes. happens when that individual tells them that i'm your son i'm the daughter what is there any research into that Yes. Um, so, yes, this happens, unfortunately. So what happens effectively with mm -hmm. Alzheimer's and with dementia in general is that your brain uh, loses progressively your uh, latest memories mm. and gets retreats uh, back to your earlier memories. Okay. And this is why sometimes when a, a parent, say, has dementia mm -hmm. and sees a nephew, mm -hmm. They think the nephew is their son mm. uh, or daughter because they uh, look at this person who is younger that looks like their son or daughter looked like before uh, mm. they grow older. And so this is like effectively what happens. Uh, there is no such a thing like a re-education. Mm -hmm. um, uh, this doesn't happen. There is a, a, a typical example. Mm -hmm. um, for example, people uh, develop dementia and they are used to live in their own home. And a relative may look at a broken kettle and say, ah, this kettle is broken, it's dangerous, I'm gonna change it and bring a new kettle, which is a lovely idea. But mm. what happens then is that the person with dementia that perhaps has been able to be in their own home and make tea, in face with the new kettle, they mm. are not gonna be able to learn how to use the new kettle. While mm. they would remember in their deeper memory how to use the old kettle. So you think you're doing something good, but actually you're making it harder for Makes them sense. to be independent. So you cannot re-educate. However, what is really important to understand is that the person with dementia has feelings, just like you and I have a feeling. She, they, mm. They're still a person, they're mm. still themselves. So if you're loving to them, if you take their hand, if you stroke their hand, if you give them a kiss, they feel that mm. they they know that so there's been a lot of research around that mm -hmm. and um so it's not the, the fact that they don't recognize you don't, doesn't mean that they don't love you or they they don't feel your love mm -hmm. um so there is a lot around our care now this report we published uh, yesterday has a wealth of information like that mm -hmm. so for example uh, you can have people that are in care home, sorry, in their home, and show agitation. They 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 are agitated at one moment of the day, mm -hmm. and that um, people sometimes mistakes for something that needs to be sedated, and, and they use sedatives, for example. And that is not the right thing to do, really. Uh, it can be sometimes the right thing to do in some uh, cases, but usually is good to understand the underlying causes of the agitation. For mm -hmm. example, uh, people uh, that are agitated around uh, early in the morning, often it's because they used to go to work at that mm. time. So they feel something <clears throat> is missing in their life going to work. So you can create a work environment mm -hmm. around them, you know, create a desk uh, and a lamp and, and then that person stays, uh, goes at the desk and, and the agitation goes, you know, they they, they do the activity that they were expected to do and then they, they calm down. Similarly, sometimes for ladies, is they would have gone and pick up their children at three, four o'clock in the afternoon. They get agitated. You know, mm. you create a, a fake bus stop in a way mm. and you 
can get them to um, to do an activity that they recognize and that calms them down. So there is plenty of wealth of evidence-based research from psychologists especially mm-hmm. that focuses on, on these issues. Very, very interesting indeed. Paula, thank you very much for joining us. It was great having you on our show. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you very much for having me. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Take care. Zero two zero eight six eight seven seven eight seven eight is the number to call. Uh, you can also tweet at the Voice of Islam UK. Very interesting to uh, to hear. Yeah, just from looking at uh, the report, it's about yeah. four hundred and sixty page long report, including many you know, uh, under nineteen essays. I think across twenty four chapters. Wow. So there's a lot there written by experts from around yeah. the world. Yeah, yeah. I was particularly very, um, you know. Um, uh, uh, moved by what she said about you know uh, showing love and affection to mm. to people because they're ultimately they're still human beings yes yes and yeah they might have lost their mm, some part of their memory mm. but they still feel the affection and the care and the love that mm. you know their relatives obviously will give them it's very much similar with you know for example um you know if if there are parents and they have children at a very young age the children will not remember that time when they get older <laughs> yeah. but that love and affection yes yes they feel it of absolutely the, you know that's necessary and then same yeah. thing you know we mentioned with the verse of the quran that the age comes to to people when they start forgetting yes and yeah again at that time you know the responsibility is on the carers and uh, those around them to continue to show them love and care absolutely uh, one other thing rahil which is very <coughs> obviously uh, crucial with the people suffering from dementia that they can forget mm. that they have eaten or or drunk <coughs> or sometimes you will see that they that will affect their health a lot they will be very very skinny because they they uh, just the, their yeah. mind just tells them you know that they already had food but they haven't mm. and they're starving but they they can't really understand that thing so it's very painful but very comp- mm. at that time obviously um you know the the, the family members have to kind of force them to eat or drink mm. something so again obviously that shows the the challenge that that is there but of course with everything the 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 challenge is um, is is something that you know people have to uh try to cope with and and at at these difficult times as you mentioned mm-hmm. um the pain that a person goes through um you know you, you do get the reward uh, for for that pain from god almighty as well and of course certainly th- those people who are looking after people who are mm-hmm. suffering with illnesses also the carers doing a very get obviously job. huge reward from god almighty yes absolutely um talking about um you know specific attribute of god um from an islamic perspective you know is is the attribute of a shafi right mm. the healer um what could you tell us about about that yeah a shafi uh, which <coughs> means the healer is an attribute of uh, god almighty Mm-hmm. um in in modern day we see that you know people humans have made great progress in the field of medicine and medical technology there's a lot of research going on uh we've already mentioned that but it's due to the intelligence that god had has bestowed upon man as a favor to him that he's able to make such advancements i mean only human beings are able to find these kind of cures um and and mm-hmm. medical solutions that of course other animals are not able to do you know mm-hmm. the human human kind has been given that brain um and that's something that's not just something that we're claiming here but it actually says in the holy quran that allah the almighty has created mankind in the best 
best example in the best with the best capabilities ashraful makhlukat the best of creation mm-hmm. so a true believer always turns to god almighty for healing and the holy prophet of islam prophet muhammad peace and blessings of allah be upon him said to a physician once that you're only <coughs> a soother to your patient mm-hmm. its physician is he who has created him i.e. allah the promised messiah the founder of the ahmadiyya muslim community his life also sheds light <coughs> on this topic where we find that he did not like to get treatment from a physician who had no belief in the existence of god and believed that the power of healing lied in his own hands as such a physician would claim divinity to himself mm-hmm. so again for a believer is very important to remember that yes you know medicines medical research everything is very beneficial and one should never underestimate that should always take uh, take um, professional medical advice but mm-hmm. at the end of the day it's it's in god's hands you know mm-hmm. you can do everything you can use all medicines that you can think of but in the end of the day if your time is up and yes, you know allah almighty has other plans then you no not, nobody work. can change that exactly um and as we uh, we talked about this as well that god has provided cure for every illness and there are many things that herbs uh, insects uh, any creation of god almighty in the world that have or may have a potential cure to to things that we don't know yet mm-hmm. um the, and and obviously that that will take time for us to find um mm-hmm. there are for example a mention of uh, of honey in the holy quran that is very very good for the health mm-hmm. um and um, in chapter 16 verse 70 we read um that there is cure for men in it Mm-hmm. and that's talking about honey um again you know so that shows that there are there are things that allah the almighty has told us and there are things that allah the almighty has obviously mm-hmm. encouraged us to work and try to find solution to ourselves as well uh but we should never under- underestimate obviously the power of prayer rahil as well right absolutely um no doubt i mean Uh, I mean, there's another important uh, factor that that we we touched upon before was um, the Holy Quran, mm-hmm. and you know, it's um, you know specifically the verse I think from Surah Nahl, uh, as I was mentioning, chapter sixteen. Um, yes, yeah. uh, chapter sixteen. Yes, which speaks about you know that that it was you know fourteen hundred years ago this 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 book was revealed, and it speaks specifically about um, you know forgetfulness, you know, man reaching a certain age. uh where you know an old age where he forgets you know what what he had known be- before um now the the mention of alzheimer's disease is not confined to you know just one verse in fact it is mentioned throughout the holy quran so that men of understanding take heed um in chapter 12 uh was 95 and when the caravan departed their father said surely i feel the scent of joseph even though you take uh you take me to be uh to be a dotard uh and allah um creates you then he causes you to die and then there are some among you who reach the age of uh senility with the result that they lose all knowledge after having gained it thy lord has commanded uh, worship none but him and show kindness to parents and this is one of the things that you're referring to mm. um if one of them or both of them attain old age with thee never say unto them any word of expressive Uh, any word expressive of disgust nor mm. reproach them by address them with kind words yeah. so i think this goes back to what our previous uh, guest paula was mentioning that even if they forget your kindness and your love towards them you, you know by address them with kind words lenwati says that they they will feel that they will mm. still feel this this kindness and 
um, this love that yeah. you have, and also if 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 it's the other way around, you you know now now and then um, you you do come across certain videos of old homes and stuff where you know the the elders are mistreated. Mm. From the Islamic perspective, to 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 be very clear, it is the responsibility yeah. of the children. Yeah, to take care of their yeah. their their parents in an old age. Yeah, no matter what someone comes and says to me here, sitting here, uh, say, "Ah, oh, we have jobs. You have this. We have that." Well, your parents did also have that. Mm. You know, when the when when you when you were born and you were growing up, when you could not eat yourself. Yeah, exactly. Yourself. So they had to, um, they had to manage. Yeah, and I think right? it's a cycle I, of life. I think it's uh, very strange if we forget that you know, up to a certain age, maybe nine, ten. Mm-hmm. Until we we didn't even know, you know, we, we might have been yeah, repeating again and again same question to mm-hmm. our parents, mm-hmm. you know, and they answering us, you know, telling us something, and then we'll ask that again because yes. for kids, mm. it's it's almost a similar, isn't it? Absolutely, like, yeah. Like in the uh, old age, when people who are forgetting, they'll be asking us or or you know mm. the, the 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 kids or the family that you know uh, keep asking the same questions. Mm-hmm. There's no need to be frustrated because. When 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 people were kids, when babies and you know young, they used to do the same thing. And parents mm-hmm. had their patience. They you know they they looked after still. So I think absolutely. it's it's very painful when um, absolutely people uh, completely shun this idea that oh you know they're not our responsibility anymore. I think that's something that um, Islam you know stressed stresses upon. Of course, there are you know uh, certain. Exceptions, obviously, if there is something that requires a person, a medical, to, a medical, uh, yeah, course, you know, uh, thing that they require to be in constant care or whatever yes, professional. Definitely. That's another thing, but exactly. one should not run away from that responsibility. I think, uh, and obviously, with Islamic uh, teaching, it's not just the love and affection in a family, but also the reward that is given to you mm-hmm. know looking after your parents. So, so yeah, um, that's uh, that's something that we wanted to sh- to say um of course uh, coming towards the end of this hour um we were talking about alzheimer and dementia and um uh, we um, are now coming towards uh, the news uh, very soon but just to conclude this of course it is evident that research is the only way forward to lead a commendable fight against diseases such as alzheimer's disease or dementia and we talked about this saying of the prophet that god has not created a disease without creating a cure for it so we pray and we hope um that we uh, as as humankind sh- soon finds that cure uh, to provide um you know the 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 cure for those people um the holy quran um is a complete guidance for mankind and strongly advocates one to undertake research to search for knowledge to search for solutions mm-hmm. and within that search of course also pray for guidance from god almighty because ultimately as we talked about he who was shafi that he is the one who is the real healer mm-hmm. and um, the following verse as well that every day he god reveals himself in a different state again guides us towards that understanding mm-hmm. from chapter 55 verse 30 mm-hmm. so uh i think uh, there's a lot to learn yeah, uh, from of course from our perspective as well mm. um you know um and it's it's great to be you know part of a program and you know uh, often we say here thinking you know are you know those that are listening to us thinking that you know we we're, we're kind of experts in these subjects we're not we're not it, experts it, it, yeah far from far <laughs> from it um, you know we're simply you know presenting to you 
uh, you know, the research and uh, and 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 in this way we're able to. And this, you know, it's often said as well. The best way to learn is to is to teach. Mm. Uh, you know, and where there's anything, if you teach your kids, you know, you learn, you pick up yeah. so 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 many things as well. Yeah. So that's the blessing of Voice of Islam. Being, of course, being, being part of this. And uh, then again, group. I mean, this this thing that there should be not any stigma related to that. We should Absolutely. research about every illness and talk about it and find ways mm-hmm. to support people yes. who are suffering Absolutely. the best way we can because that is what you know Islam and our religion teaches us as well alright uh, 0208687787 join us after the news as we are going to talk about the um, topic of organ donation how best we can promote the conversation of organ donation that's all coming up next after the news you're listening to Voice of Islam radio this is the drive time show it's um, almost uh, here is the news you are listening to the recording of a live show please do not call or text as this is a recording and lines are now closed You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. May peace and blessings of Allah be upon you. Uh, welcome back to the live program here on Voice of Islam Radio Station, the Drive Time Show. Joined by myself, Safir, and Rahil here as we um, start off our second topic. So in this hour, we're going to talk about uh, organ donation. How can we promote the conversation about organ donation? Um, organ donation is uh, basically giving an organ of your body to help someone who needs a transplant. Um, according to the NHS, the National Health Service here in the UK, 6,613 people are waiting for a transplant in the UK and about 1,500 people have received a transplant since April 2022. Now, the Holy Prophet of Islam, Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, said, when the human being dies, when a human being dies, his deeds and except for three um, uh, things that go forward, and that's ongoing charity, um, knowledge that's beneficial to other people, or a righteous child who prays for him. So, the essence of this hadith is, or you know, what we take from this hadith, or from this saying of the Prophet, is that our body will, you know, perish here in this in this earth, and what goes forward is our you know actions, our charity, our knowledge that we might have imparted mm-hmm. to other people, taught other people, offspring, uh, righteous offspring that continues to uphold, you know, good uh, conduct and and uh, pray towards you. Uh, that is something that is an ongoing thing for you. But other than that, your physical body remains here without no use. So again, what we're <coughs> talking about is organ donations. So of course, when people die, and sometimes when people die in accidents or, or you know, um, in a young age even, then that is an opportunity for anybody who needs an organ transplant to benefit from that person who has passed away. So... Again, I think that's something that we have talked about before here on Voice of Islam, but also, and I think in some communities, there is a, you know, there's a confusion or misconception that, you know, yes. it's something wrong uh, from a religious perspective. Mm-hmm. So that's something that we want to talk about today. 
Absolutely. I mean, not just uh, e- e- even among some of the Muslims, mm. they 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 consider it to be you know prohibited. Yeah. Um, we have to understand that our body is as as you've mentioned beautifully. I think nothing can be added more. The, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, himself stating that this that uh, you know only three things would actually benefit you, you know, in the hereafter. That is, you know, the uh, you know, of course, you take you take your deeds with you, of course. And then three things that remain is charity, beneficent knowledge, and 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 righteous child who prays for him. So I think that's um, and and it's not just uh, something that's allowed within Islam. I think to be honest, it's it's something that's encouraged. And um, His Holiness, I was listening to the the, you know, the fourth caliph of the Muslim community in answering this question. He 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 mentioned that the Allah Almighty said says in the Holy Quran, "Kuntum khayra ummatin ukhrijat linnas that you're the best people raised for mankind." Um, you know, and and the purpose is why you are the best people is ukhrijat linnas for people, mm. like you are beneficial for man, man, yeah. man, mankind. So so you know what, whatever way it may be, uh, you know it's it it should be uh, you know encouraged. Mm. And ongoing charity is exactly that, isn't it? I mean, absolutely. Are your uh, organ that has been donated to somebody else mm. who's able to live their life mm-hmm. and survive because of. Your Absolutely. organ donation, obviously, that absolutely. You, that, done. Th- you know that, that particular verse yeah. we 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 often say in the Quran: the killing one, one is like killing the whole of humanity, and saving one is like mm. the saving of humanity. Yeah. So it all it all puts into perspective, and 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 it's astonishing that there are so many verses, so many things of the Prophet that correlate yeah. with what we're you know what we're discussing here today. Exactly. Um, on 20th May uh, 2020, the law around organ donation in England mm-hmm. has changed, <coughs> in fact, mm-hmm. to allow more people to save more lives. Mm-hmm. So before, um, uh, there was a, uh, I think the system was that you had to opt in mm-hmm. um, to organ donation. But now an opt out system uh, has been introduced in England, which means that people of England who are living here, are now considered willing to donate unless they decide to not to, to opt mm-hmm. out unless they decide to categorically say that we do not want our organs to be mm-hmm. donated after mm-hmm. uh, we passing away so i think that is the change since uh, 2020 may um, that you're automatically opted <coughs> in unless you say that you opt out and that way many people who maybe don't even think about this or they have never considered this they never thought about it and mm-hmm. they you know, prematurely die or suddenly pass away because of accidents or whatever, mm-hmm. then, you know, their organs will not go to waste. It will actually help other people. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So that's something that we are discussing in today's show, the impact of the law change around organ donation. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously we're taking your views. What do you think? Do you think it's the right thing to do? Do you think it's not the right thing to do? Uh, we love to hear from both sides and we'll move the discussion forward by uh, discussing the benefits uh, around this as well. Zero two zero eight six eight seven seven eight seven eight is the number to call. You can also tweet at uh, Voice of Islam UK. Mm-hmm. So um, to reiterate the law, uh, all people in England, except if you are in excluded groups, are now automatically considered willing to donate unless they wish to opt out. And the excluded groups include people, those who are under under the age of eighteen people who lack the mental capacity to understand the new arrangements and take the necessary actions, Uh, visitors to England and those not living here voluntarily, and people who have lived in England for less than 12 months before their death are obviously Mm -hmm. all that are excluded from this opt-in system. Um, It is important to know that people still have a choice and families will still be consulted 
if organ donation becomes a possibility. So it's not about forcing people, but it's about making sure that more people have the opportunity to uh, benefit from it. Absolutely. And I think you have mentioned excluded groups, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, inc- including uh, people under the age of 18 and the mental capacity and you know all of these things. I mean, the question would be, why was this uh, law actually introduced, right? Yeah. Uh, and, and to answer this, I mean, this law... Uh, you know the change in law you know came about as a result of you know years of campaigning by you know patients waiting for let's say transplants and families of those who have actually donated yeah right um and the main reason for for which it was introduced is that despite seeing you know progress in uh, organ donations uh, there's still shortage of donors yeah um and you know oftentimes uh, if you really speak to people they were said they don't mind hmm. okay right so i think this is in a way a good good idea to include everybody and yeah. you know personally in, in my personal opinion I think there's there's probably as you said there's so many people mm. who say that oh they don't mind doing something good like this yeah but they don't, they've there's never nobody. had the chance yeah, yeah, to exactly. think about it or exactly. they've never known how to do it mm-hmm. so now Absolutely. now the system is so easy that you're opted in mm-hmm. um, and then you know you don't have to worry about it yes of course if you for some reason don't mm-hmm. want to do it mm-hmm. and of course that's your choice as well then mm-hmm. then you you don't need to do it you can opt out mm-hmm. but uh, again uh, i think this has been introduced <coughs> because of the you know of of uh, the severity of the issue where uh, there are so many people needing organ uh, transplant and there is not enough donors mm-hmm. that's basically you know what the problem is mm-hmm. so initial figures uh, that were reported by the nhs uh, 6 months after the law change uh, reveals that the consent rate are going strong and these figures show that 135 people have donated their organs after being considered as willing to donate as they had not expressed an organ donation decision during their lifetime. Now, these donations account for 26% of all donations that took place during the same time period and resulted in a total of 341 organs uh, organs uh, transplanted. So, already you see the improvement, right? So over the next few years, uh, as the law has now changed, mm-hmm. we're only two years into it, right? So things will um, hopefully improve and there'll of be course. more you know, people uh, benefiting. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, it's of course a great uh, you know, initi- in- initiative that's, uh, that's been put out. Um, I mean, the question would be then, how best can we actually promote the conversations you know, around uh, organ don- donation, uh, you know, specifically within the most Muslim community, uh, we just, you know, we we, uh, we know that some people might be worried about how you know organ donation sits with their religion, um, or their you know their beliefs. But all major religions uh, in the UK have given support for um, organ donation in in principle. Um, in Islam, of course, organ donation is not only permissible, as I said earlier, but it's greatly encouraged. And the essence of Islam is to serve mankind. We, we, you know, we always, uh, I mean, those those of people who do listen in, mm. or know we often repeat this, right? Yeah. Uh, rights from rights of God and rights of mankind, mm. uh, and therefore any act of beneficence, um, you know, is of course promoted. So, so, so the so, so the key source of guidance the Holy Quran addresses Muslims, as I was mentioning earlier, you are the best people created for good of mankind. Exactly. So, in so I think fundamentally speaking, there's there's something that we need to uh, make clear is that. In Quran, there there is there is a religious book. Mm. There is guidance uh, given by Allah the Almighty on on various issues. Some mm. are very particular. Some are very uh, you know straightforward. But then there there are, there are certain things which are not mentioned in the Holy Quran or the statements of the Prophet. And this is where the ishtihad comes in. Ishtihad meaning to uh, to deduce mm. right uh, t- uh, by reading. And this is what exactly 
we we do you know in these circumstances for example mentioning certain verses mm. w- which in principle give yeah. uh, you know permi- uh, perm- perm- permission mm. or rather they encourage and, uh, and the doing of a certain deed yes and and things that fundamentally do not go <coughs> against the against teaching the of teaching, the holy quran obviously can be understood in this light as well as you mentioned mm-hmm. um all right we're going to go to our first uh, guest we have uh, umar malik with <coughs> us who is a community funding manager from the nhs blood uh, transplant joining us Umar, um, assalamu alaikum, peace be upon you, and welcome to the Drive Time Show here on Voice of Islam. Thank you for joining. Um, Umar, what is the aim of the organ donation campaign run by the NHS? Uh, obviously, we've talked about the opt in system, um, uh, sorry, the opt out system now that's uh, that's been put in place. Uh, so, talk us a little bit about that. Yeah, so thank you for having us again. Um, so yeah, my role is a community funding manager and we do amazing work with a lot of our black and Asian community mm. organizations. And as part of that, uh, Organ Donation Week is a really fantastic annual awareness opportunity just aimed at raising awareness, highlighting the importance of organ donation and really encouraging people to uh, come to an informed, informed decision around whether to register and also share their organ donation decision mm-hmm. and help save more lives. This year, we're asking everyone to go pink for the week, whether you bake a pink cake, uh, wear pink socks. I remember in our team meeting earlier today, <laughs> I was challenging a colleague to dye his hair pink, and if he does, I'll dye my beard pink. But we want to see whatever we do. We have organizations around the world, uh, around the country uh, lighting up their buildings in pink, just to, to highlight uh, as part of Organ Donation Week. Um, yeah, as you mentioned, the law around organ donation changed a couple of years ago in Wales, England, and Scotland, with Northern Ireland likely to follow next year. Um, the law still gives uh, gives us full ownership of our choice, but we are now all opted in and just need to notify the organ donation register mm-hmm. if we would like to opt out. And even though the law has changed, it's important that people still know that ultimately it's their choice and families ultimately will always be consulted before donation goes ahead. But it's important, especially from a Muslim uh, community perspective, especially from uh, Asian ethnicities and black ethnicities within those Muslim communities listening, because you are more likely to find a match from someone uh, most uh, similar to your ethnicity. So it's it's mm-hmm. hugely important that we understand what mm-hmm. the context is and the statistics around waiting times for Asians and and, uh, and and black communities and and the role that we have to play uh, mm-hmm. in in reducing that and saving more lives uh, waiting times for uh, people from black uh, and Asian community are, are they uh, longer than uh, for those uh, for 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 uh, white English people unfortunately they are massively longer year we're in a situation where currently um, we are more likely to be in a position as uh, Asians or black or Asian communities where we're, we're more likely to be in a position to need an organ donation um, mm. because of kidney problems, uh, hypertension, <coughs> diabetes, heart problems, etc. Mm-hmm. But we are all are extremely underrepresented. We're much less likely mm-hmm. uh, to give. Um, so just to give you some examples, mm-hmm. um, at the moment, we have 6,694 people waiting for a transplant in the UK. Unfortunately, around about 500 people die every single year waiting for a transplant. 
it's important to note that these waiting times have been reduced in the past five years because uh, a lot of good work has been done and a lot of our black and Asian and Muslim communities are coming forward to donate. Mm -hmm. But unfortunately, as of 2020, for example, Mm -hmm. uh, around 40% of people that opted out, so they chose to opt out of the organ donation register, 40% of the total lists were Asian. Uh, 25% of those were Pakistani. So if you consider the, I think Pakistan is probably what, 3 or 4% of the population, maybe 5% at most, mm-hmm. uh, yet representing 25% of those that have opted out of the organ donation register. More than a third of those waiting for an organ are black, Asian, or from other minority ethnic. So though around the UK, I think we represent maybe 12, 13, 14% of the population, I think the last census showed, mm-hmm. um, more than a th- third of those waiting for just an organ uh, black or Asian. Makes sense. Uh, just just to understand, how many percentage did you say of, uh, let's say, Pakistani that, that opted out? So this this um, stat was as of 2020, which okay. was uh, 25% of all opt-outs in this country were Pakistani. Oh, wow. And it's, not, it's, it's, it's important we understand that, but it's important we realize that a lot of good work has happened since then within these communities to really mm-hmm. uh, to, to, to reduce those and to encourage donations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Of course. Of course. I mean, well, one of the things I'm not I'm, I'm not sure whether this has been looked into or whether you would have any information, whether the NHS or the government has tried to use the community system because the trust element in the you know in the ethnic uh, my, minority groups, uh, you know, whether it's to do with their priests or their leaders or their the imams, uh, they trust them a lot more than they would trust, let's say. You know, that was the same thing with the government as well. Uh, when that was the same thing about COVID v- vaccines as well, that you know, many of the people that we, yeah. you know, we we came across that weren't ready to take these vaccines, even though they were scientists and you know experts saying it, did so at the end because their local imam encouraged them to do so, right? So I think these elements are also in place because you know the element of trust, um, and uh, so I think in that in in. You know, in those side of things, then, then there needs to be discussions as well. But we're moving. It's massively f- important. Yeah, it's massively important. So just to touch on one thing, actually, on that point of trust, mm-hmm. it's uh, one of the things I specifically look after is something called our community investment scheme, mm-hmm. um, and that's part of our commitment to build support for donation amongst Black, Asian, mixed heritage, and other minority ethnic community. And the fund, um, it, the scheme funds community and faith or belief organisations to drive awareness understanding and behavior change because we know that yourselves as trusted loca- as trusted organizations community organizations yourself as a radio station mm-hmm. our mosques are those types of organizations that are really effective at achieving these goals because of mm-hmm. your reach to the community your understanding of the community and your specialist knowledge so we have uh, a fund available about uh, half a million pounds every year that we invest into community organizations to help us to to really start that conversation um just share one thing for myself as well I, mm-hmm. I started thinking when I joined an HSBT just 12 months ago that mm-hmm. uh, why haven't I myself come to uh, the decision around organ or blood donation mm-hmm. um, what stopped me in the past the, the fund that I manage this community investment scheme is there to reach someone like myself and there to encourage me uh, to, to join the organ, organ donation register mm-hmm. and not to completely pass blame onto someone else but just one of the things that I, I found was, well, well, you guys know that Muslims were, and, and uh, our culture and our faith are hugely, hugely generous. Mm. 
So what's stopping, what's the disconnect there from, from an organ and, and blood donation perspective? And for me, mm-hmm. if you have not been impacted by this personally, if you've not had a family member that's um, been affected by this, you, it's a completely different world. And because I hadn't, mm. from what my personal experience was growing up, whether it be an educational setting, whether it be a faith setting in the mosque, whether it be a family setting, a friend setting, university, social, it was never really discussed, the True. issue of organ and blood donation. Mm. And sometimes just by starting these discussions, just by mm. prompting these discussions, just by letting people know, uh, allowing them to come to a much more informed decision, it will allow us to Absolutely. to really, really understand the situation, understand the importance that we have as a community to, to take ownership of this problem. Because ultimately, the best match comes from someone from within our communities. And so it's so, so important that we, we, we mobilize as a community altogether. I agree. Um, you know, a common fear, let's say, you know, that people have around uh, organ donation is in regards to, let's say, body disfiguration. Um, what would you say on that? Does organ and tissue donation after death cause any disfigurement to the donor? Yeah, so it is, it is a common fear. There are lots of, I guess, fears, misconceptions, barriers that, that we need to understand and we need to work together with communities to ensure that they're fully educated and understand. Mm. But from, from a donor dis- disfiguration perspective, and it's obviously in, extremely important from our faith perspective when it comes to the treatment of the body and, and the burial uh, rituals. But the donor is treated with the, the greatest care and respect during the removal of any organs and or tissue for donation. The, ret- the retrieval takes place in kind of normal operating theatre under sterile conditions by specialist doctors with the utmost care, respect and dignity and after the, the surgical incision is carefully closed covered mm. by addressing in the normal way um and 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 kind of funeral proce- proceedings can can take place and 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 it doesn't for even for other faiths it doesn't necessarily prevent the the donor from having a, an open casket funeral even the body is, is covered for burial so there's no necessarily any visible signs um and ultimately it is done in a way that's completely understanding of faith, completely mm. in consultation of the family member of the deceased uh, and with the most care, respect and, and dignity as possible. Mm. Um, and uh, coming back to um, the impact of the recent law change in uh, 2020 um, around the organ donation uh, system, um, Apparently, there is already a rise in in a number of uh, organ donations. Uh, do you do you think we're likely to see an increased improvement in that over the years? I think naturally over the years we will definitely begin to see an improvement. I think it's too early to say at this stage. Um, it's been a couple of years, and those couple of years uh, since the law change have been quite disrupted by COVID. Um, it took Wales, who introduced the, the law change a little bit earlier than ourselves, it took Wales a good five or six years to see mm-hmm. the effect of the law change there. Uh, and so England and Scotland are, are in that phase. There's definitely been positive um, movement. Um, there's definitely been more uh, opt-ins and less opt-outs, even from a uh, Muslim and kind of diverse perspective. Mm-hmm. But I think from diverse perspectives, from black and Asian perspectives, we, we we need to go that added level further to ensure that our communities are bringing this discussion to mm. to our to our communities that we're we're coming to an informed decision that we understand what the situation is out there we understand um for example that for for a, for a pediatric kidney weight mm. um 
if you're if you're a white patient, you're you're likely to wait around seven months. But if you're a black patient, you're likely to wait around 21 months. Mm. Um, if you're waiting for one year on the, tra- the transplant waiting list, uh, after one year of waiting, about 25% of black and Asian people have had transplants, whereas half of white people have had transplants. So it's important that our, under- our community comes to an understanding of these issues and uh, comes to a position where we're having that discussion with our faith leaders, with our medical professionals, <coughs> and just encouraging that discussion so we come to an informed choice. Mm. Um just out of interest, obviously, can I ask you, you know, what, what's the process when an organ is, is, is uh, um, taken out for, for donation? How is it preserved? And what's the kind of uh, time frame that we're looking at uh, that an organ can be kept, um, you know, uh, safely for, for, for uh, you know, uh, donation? So it all happens quite quickly. Um, I think... Um, around 500,000 people die in the UK every year, but only around 1% die in circumstances where they may be able to donate their organs. Mm-hmm. Um, organs can only be transplanted quite soon after the donor has died, and they need to be healthy and safe uh, to transplant. Donors can usually only be people who die in hospital intensive care units because of this, and, and because mm-hmm. of these reasons, every potential donor is is pressure so it's it's important but in that process family consultation is is still massively important for us so even if you have opted in uh, on the organ donation register your families still will be consulted and that's why it's important for us to encourage people to that even if they've made that decision to opt into the organ donor donation register um cons- let your family members know let your family members know of your decision just to give them that comfort when it comes to that moment where they're facing quite difficult circumstances quite traumatic circumstances where um decisions like this usually are taken and usually if if there's no consultation if they're not necessarily coming from an informed position then you'll probably opt out just for safety purposes Mm. so these organs obviously at at the hospital, of course, as you mentioned, because of the time frame, and you need the mm-hmm. obviously the organs to be fresh as well, and and uh, and and in in good condition. So, uh, are we are we talking about hours of transplantation, or are we talking about uh, days uh, that this process happens? I'm not entirely sure of how long. Mm-hmm. Uh, not being a medical professional, I can definitely find out and let mm-hmm. you guys know. Mm-hmm. But from my understanding, speaking to to donors and recipients. Uh, that are part of the NHS blood and transplant family. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it can be a very, very quick process where someone is waiting on the waiting list for um, a number of years. And uh, I was reading a story a few days ago of, of them just getting a call at six o'clock in the morning to come in because the transplant has become available because death can sometimes happen quite suddenly. And therefore, mm-hmm. the need for that transplant to take place is quite a quick process. So yeah. that the, the recipient will get a call at whatever time in the morning and ask them to come straight away as soon as possible into the hospital um, uh, to, to, to take the assessment, to take the test to see whether the organ is, is a match. So it's usually a very, very, very quick process. Okay. 
Perfect. Uh, well, Umar, thank you very much for joining us and obviously um, giving us so much uh, useful information. I'm sure our listeners loved it as well. Thank you so much, Umar Malik, Community Founding Manager from NHS Blood and Transplant. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks a lot. All right, uh, let's go straight uh, to Sadia, who's next um, on the line with us. Um, Sadia um, is uh, joining us uh, um, as uh, she suddenly uh, developed a renal failure in her early 20s. Um, she then received a kidney transplant through the non- non-paired program. Sadia, assalamu alaikum, peace be upon you, and welcome to the Drive Time Show. Assalamu Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining us. So, uh, would you like to share with us your your uh, story of uh, um, of what happened and and how you know things uh, changed for you? Yeah, sure. Um, I was in my early twenties and I had no symptoms of uh, renal failure or <coughs> any you know issues with my kidney until I moved from London to Birmingham and um, joined the GP and went for full medical and it was picked up there that I had some kidney issues and I was referred to the Queen Elizabeth in Birmingham. Um, and it was only then after when I had several appointments that um, I realised that I had kidney failure, um, which I had no concept about what it was. I just thought, you know, my, I, it, no one in my family had kidney failure. I didn't know anyone who had kidney failure. So it was all really new to me, so I was in denial for a long time. You had no and symptoms or, or you... No, you, nothing. Yeah, nothing. Oh. Um, yeah, so it was quite unusual. Mm-hmm. Um, and then over time, my kidneys deteriorated. Um, and then in, I was, I went on the waiting list um, for a kidney transplant. Um, and I, I think I was waiting for... Um, for me, it felt like a very long time, but... In waiting terms, it was fairly short. Um, I think I waited about a year and a half, and I received a call um, to say that they found me a kidney on the waiting list. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, um, it didn't last very long. Um, for me, again, it was still a long time, but in kidney terms, it was less than four years, and I then started dialysis for about six, seven years, uh, which I would do at home and work full-time. Um, and then my brother was matched up for me, mm-hmm. but unfortunately I developed antibodies uh, while we were through the process, and then he put himself forward for the pairs exchange. Okay. Um, and in 2016 we got the call that uh, we were successful in the paired exchange, and there were six of us, so there were three recipients. Three do- um, well, what's, a, what's a pair exchange? Uh, so can... A pair exchange is where uh, you go into a scheme and you're... You, you get kind of three rounds um, of quarterly, um, and you you may make match with some stranger, my, um, and your my, my brother matched with another stranger. So it was there was no direct link hmm. to any of us. So my brother matched with some stranger, I don't know where, and somewhere else I matched with someone else. So there was six of us in total who had the operation that day. Oh wow! Oh, yeah, wow. so it's an amazing program for people like me who have you know haven't got mm. anyone in the family who are matches or mm. who are matches and then develop antibodies um so it, you know with that that I w- I probably still would have been on dialysis very uh, I mean moving actually um, yeah um with the you know the 
with 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 the BME community, with the BME yeah. community, people are, of course, we've been discussing this, like, oh, less aware, uh, yeah. and of course, willing to actually donate organs. Mm. Why do you think that is the case? I think it's the lack of understanding and knowledge, and I think awareness as well. And mm. I think religiously, I think people think it's not allowed mm. when it is, um, and like I think also if if you don't know about the condition, you you know, you're not aware of it, it doesn't mm. affect you. Like when, you know, I wasn't aware of what kidney failure meant and mm. donation until it impacted me and my family and my wider family and relatives became more aware of it and understand it more. Mm-hmm. So I think it's the awareness. True. Um, and, the, you know, I think a religious aspect plays a lot into it. Some people have a lot of misconception and understanding that we're not allowed mm. um, to donate. And I think that also plays a part. Absolutely. And I think stories like yours can really, uh, especially within the family circles, yeah. uh, can make a big difference, uh, you know, in understanding, uh, you know, the the big change. I mean, the yeah. you know, it brings in someone's someone's life. Yeah, I mean, my life has totally changed. The things I've been able to do, mm-hmm. I wouldn't have been able to do, you know, to the full extent that mm-hmm. when I was on dialysis, because I was dialyzing at home mm. every night for nine hours. Every single day, mm. I couldn't attend family functions. I was always ill. I was always in hospital. Mm. You know, my, the sacrifice my brother gave for me. You know, the gift that he's given me. I've been able. To, I went Umrah. Mm, you know, I've been able to spend time with my family. I recently had a baby. So you know, all these blessings I wouldn't have been able to do without you know a donation or my brother's gift. Mm. That is wonderful. That is absolutely amazing story. May Allah bless you all uh, for those sacrifices and obviously um, for all of that. Uh, thank you very much, Sadia, for joining us. Um, at the en- yeah, just at the end, I mean, is there any, anything you would like to say to encourage other people to come forward to or for organ donation as well? So, yeah, yeah we do have time. I, yeah, I would say, you know, religiously we are allowed. It's the biggest gift. You know, you're changing someone's life. You're giving them a second chance. Mm-hmm. of living and trying to have some normality um, and do your research just don't go by listening to people or you know what you've heard mm-hmm. uh, speak to your mom speak to family members you know and speak to your own you know we don't have these conversations with mm-hmm. families. you know I think we're scared or it's not the norm but have these conversations about donation because like I said we don't know what tomorrow can bring we could pass at any time but if you've you know, signed the register, or you've known you wish, you know, told your family you would like to donate, it'll make a massive, massive, massive difference to someone. Hmm. Well said, thank, uh, thank you, so you much. very much. Sadia, for thank your time, you. thank you. Thank you. Thank you. 0208687778 is uh, the number to call if you have any organ donation um, story or. Um, something that you would like to share with us here on Voice of Islam. We'd love to hear from you. Um, you can give us a call, 0208-687-7878. You can also tweet at uh, Voice of Islam UK if you wish to send in your comments uh, online on social media. Mm-hmm. Um, well, now, <coughs> obviously listening to these great um, you know, accounts mm-hmm. and um, you know, both of our guests uh, shed light on the importance of this, um, I think it's fitting to also just mention that there are uh, different types of organ donation. Absolutely. Some can be donated after death uh, and some can be donated whilst you're still alive, like obviously with Sadia's example mm-hmm. and her brothers. Um, so 
with the obviously those body parts that are often donated we have the heart we have the kidney we have the part of liver lungs tissue bones etc um now the uh, gift of sight or the cornea donation is another one uh, that uh, we should uh, speak about and many people feel uncomfortable thinking about donating the cornea mm. but it can mean the gift of sight for someone who is desperately in need of a transplant and some of the misconceptions about cornea donation is that the whole eye is transplanted however the eye is never transplanted transplanted as a whole the cornea is actually the clear tissue at the front of your eye that lets in light so you can see and that is exactly what is donated not the whole of the eye mm-hmm. so again um, where people might be worried or might be it's, uh, it's, you know it's quite scared funny. about it but yeah true yeah. it's quite funny that when i did initially sign a form um I actually thought of thought of this mm. and I thought um you know when I, w- <laughs> I was yeah, I was quite young and I thought that when I when I do you know wake up in the next life would I be able to see <laughs> if I'm giving someone my eyes yeah. right but of course I mean th- that 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 was back when I was quite young uh, you know at the time where where we needed you yeah, know Yeah it's, it's natural I mean that these questions might be in your, in, yeah, your, yeah. in people's minds <laughs> it's, it's you know it's it's natural questions and mm. But then again, um, I think that's uh, answering that as well. Like you know, that uh, it's only that one part of the yes, surface of, course, of, of course, the eye, of course, and, yes, yes. and also some people might think you know they might you know scoop, take the entire eye, yeah, yeah, and then on on uh, for example on on burials or when a person's funeral is happening, hmm. maybe there might be some some signs of you know, yes, something like so that. So yeah. again, that was something that was clarified <coughs> by our uh, first guest as well that everything is prepared nicely and. Hmm. Yeah and I think at the end of the day again what uh, what you said earlier was that you know our uh, our physical body you know has yes. no value Excellent. so at the end of the day it has no value uh, what uh, goes forward is our uh, needs um so yeah I mean that's that's um, about the cornea donation um so and um, also uh, kidney donation is is quite um, you know uh, in demand as well um since a person can live healthily with one kidney it is also possible to give a kidney as a living donor as well um and that's something that we looked at now we can also look at uh, lung donation for people waiting on transplant transplant list uh, with the different lung diseases or or people who then have low life expect- expectancy um every lung donation is a chance for life for them so a lung transplant may be required if a person is suffering from um a condition that clogs the lungs with mucus mm-hmm. um i think it's called cystic fibrosis mm-hmm. uh, making it hard to breathe and digest food a uh, chronic obstructive uh, uh, pulmonary disease a disease that damages the lung raises blood pressure with the arteries serving uh, s- serving the the lungs uh, and if the lungs are scarred um and you know god knows maybe you know all this covid and how people's lungs have been affected mm-hmm. we don't know we hope and pray it doesn't in the future but it could be that in the future people would need you know lung transplants as well more mm-hmm. uh because of uh, uh you know the, these uh, diseases however um it just shows that you know these uh, the the importance of these uh, donations as well as these organs that can really help people give them basically a new life Um we're going to speak to Anna um Anna Louise who is joining us uh, founder of Organ Donation Support for the charity believe uh, Anna good afternoon peace be upon you and welcome to the Drive Time show 
Well, good afternoon. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you for joining us. Uh, could you tell us a little bit about the charity and uh, what you know your day-to-day work is? Yes, well, um, the charity was founded back in uh, 2015 um, when my my late husband and my son were sadly killed in a road traffic incident. Mm. And um, I donated my son's organs and his, his himself went on to save at least four lives. Mm. And wow. what was clear through the processes and through everything, like your previous speakers have said, was about um, the lack of education involved in organ donation Mm -hmm. and also um, the lack of support that's actually offered to people post and pre-transplantation and donor families and anyone in the medics as well. So um, I set the charity up within a week of them passing um, Mm -hmm. that we called Believe as in a kind of belief and it was also my son's favourite film. Um, And it was really to educate people in relation to organ donation Mm -hmm. to understand a bit more about the processes um, and also to support those families that are involved in it. And for me, the education was really key. We're not telling everybody Mm. to be an organ donor, but just encouraging people, as we were saying earlier, to have a conversation. And just to remove it, basically, the overriding objective is to remove it as a taboo. It's very much still a very taboo subject in the country, Mm -hmm. and it doesn't matter what the ethnic background, um, we all don't particularly want to talk about it. And what became clear to me very, very quickly was it was us adults that were scared about talking about it. Mm -hmm. Whereas, Whereas Fraser, who was seven, his friends were quite open about talking about everything Mm -hmm. and therefore it was very much about encouraging us as a society to see this as a gift of life rather than being around death. Very interesting. Um, I do wanted to ask you this, I mean, you know, at the time, you know, of such devastation, of course, losing, you know, your husband and your, your, your son, what led you to, you know, make what led you to making this decision of you know, actually donating the organs uh, you know, at, of course, such a dev- dev- devastating time? What was actually going through your mind when, when you made that decision? Um, I'll be quite honest. Um, my daughter and I were a witness to the actual incident. So mm-hmm. obviously that's deep trauma, um, which still mm-hmm. remains to us, obviously, daily. Um, but my husband, unfortunately, raised this conversation just three weeks before oh, wow. um, we lived in Wales and we went opt out just five days before mm. so when I was actually presented with that question at that point in time that was the only thing I didn't have to think about that day and for me that was what the real blessing was that I'd actually knew and had had that conversation because as you say when you're in that traumatic environment Mm-hmm. Who knows what your decision would be? True. So by having that conversation with your loved ones, you're actually saving them that trauma of having mm-hmm. to think at a time when you don't want to. Mm-hmm. So uh, I knew what his decision was. When he raised the conversation with me just three weeks before, mm-hmm. I'll be honest, I didn't want to talk about it. Mm, I was of, I don't want to talk about it. Um, mm-hmm. And 
I'd also discussed it with my religious advisor mm. and, and he was very much along the lines of, I don't want the government to dictate what's going on, which isn't actually the case. You know, mm. it's again mis- miseducation. But I knew what he wanted and now seeing the positivity of the donation of the organs and tissue mm-hmm. has made me reevaluate my own decision um, to do with that. So, yeah, I, I was very fortunate in one way that I didn't have to think. And that's all I say to everybody is, you know, have that conversation mm. so that people know whatever your decision is, it's not up to us to decide what's right and what's wrong. Mm. Um, but have that conversation and understand, as I said, the real positivity of the gift that you're mm. actually, you're blessing. I think, I think what, a lot of the times when these discussions are happening, what people are avoiding is the discussion about death. Mm. Organ donation, of course, they know that, you know, when it's linked to death, it's linked to death yeah. right? So I think this is something that they can't imagine. And I think that's, that must have been uh, sort of your feelings as well when you were having this discussion with your, you know, with, 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 with your husband. It's very much of, sadly, the unimaginable, isn't it? You Mm. don't want to think of the unimaginable happening to you. Mm. Uh, And as I said earlier, the children don't view it this way. They view it very much as a gift of life. They see it as life. They don't see it as death. Mm. So what we're doing is we're actually kind of trying to put our own values on our children, whereas Mm. they are doing it other ways. So it's about removing it overall as a to-do and seeing it as what it is. It's, it's a, it really is a gift. Yeah. So again, I mean, you've already shed light on, on the importance of discussing, discussing uh, organ donation. But how, how do you go about discussing that? For example, if there are parents, how do they talk to their children or young teenagers about this? Because obviously you don't know when, when that time could come. So how do you go about having that discussion? Yeah, and this is one of the real things that really hit home with me. It was how do you raise it with your family? How do you sit down around the table and suddenly have this conversation? Um, so mm. over the past, uh, so when it happened, my little boy, he had the nickname Bear. Mm. Um, he was really like a seven-year-old bear. He was the most loving, most enigmatic little boy. And... Um, the gentleman that produced Super Ted um, in Wales, he actually produced an animation of the bear mm. that I, I wrote and we released here in, in, just in English and Welsh, which has now reached over 8.2 million people globally, mm. which, they, which can be found on, on multiple social media challenge, uh, channels and our website. Mm-hmm. But if, if you're in doubt, what we found is by watching this animation, it actually opens it up with the children. It gives the parents a way of saying, oh, let's watch that. And then what do you think? Rather than inspiring or or asking children to sit down and talk about something quite heavy. Mm -hmm. And we found the bear quite um, like a cuddly approach of talking about something Mm -hmm. that's quite scary and daunting for adults and, Mm -hmm. and grandparents to talk to children about mm-hmm. and um, so we found that really really useful mm-hmm. and we've been thinking about it as well so just recently um, we've just secured funding and we've translated it into eight further languages wow. and we're trying to 
how best to launch that so we can get into every community um, and we can try and channel that conversation mm-hmm. through the bear, through the families, and as mm-hmm. I said, trying to remove it as a subject. That's wonderful work. Um, lastly, I did wanted to ask you whether you know you you, you you've uh, published your story somewhere for uh, for people to read, for people to. Of course, uh, I, was, I was looking at your website. I believe open donor support, and of course, the great work you do. But you know, especially uh, you know. The, you know the personal story, the the reason for you know all of this to come about. Uh, have you actually shared this elsewhere? Bless you. I'm, I am actually in the process of doing that, so um, I will once it's finalised, I, I will let you know. Thank you so much. <laughs> everything is on there, and and I, I just I just strongly. I mean, last year I met the little boy that actually received my little boy's heart, mm. and wow. um, and seeing that in the physical form. Um, even though knowing mm. it wasn't Fraser, just mm. and positivity that that little boy had had from seven years of life of having that gifted organ just made it all so yeah. well. But yeah, just if I can encourage anyone, it's just have that conversation, sit down, chat. And if anybody wants to help us with the launch of it into the other languages, into communities and everything, then we would love to speak to anyone further if anyone's listening. Mm. Yeah, okay. no, that's absolutely amazing. I mean, uh, stories like that, uh, people often mention, you know, how that, uh, how thankful those people are as well. Who, of course. Who, who are, uh, you know, receiving. Very moving. Yeah, and very moving. So we pray and that, that you know, God gives you the strength to carry on the, you know, the great work that you're doing. Um, and, I, I, you know, I hope many do join you in this great endeavor. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank, thank you, Anna. Thank you. Thank you very much. Have a great day. Thank you. Bye bye. Um, zero two zero eight six eight seven seven eight seven eight. Similarly, I think I remember one. There was one, um, you know, uh, el- elderly person in 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 our community, mm-hmm. an uncle, and, and he had a heart transplant, uh, and I think he was fifty, sixty uh, around that time, and he had a heart transplant from I think a very young. Mm-hmm. Uh, young person I think it was an 18 19 year old boy who was in a car accident or something and he had the heart transplant and uh, seeing him mm. uh, you know uh, he was he's always talking about how thankful uh, he, was, he yeah. was not only to that person but also to God Almighty for opportu- that opportunity mm. and he often you know in a light hearted Manner used to say that you know my heart is very young now. <laughs> so, yeah, I may be old, but I've I've a, a strong young heart. Young young yeah. heart. Uh, but yeah, I mean stories like that is are amazing. That you know, one person's passing away is is like a new life for somebody else. I mean, mm. what what better way is of there course. to kind of you know for for relatives to to cope with the with the loss of somebody to see mm. that that person is essentially. I think this of, is you know, the program on uh, this program on 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 actually a personal level. Because I've probably never had this discussion at home hmm. with with my wife or kids are very young. Yeah, but we normally don't have this don't, kind of. We don't have this. I think this, it's a blessing of listening to people's experiences. Hmm. You know, whether it was Sadia or whether it was Anna, uh, and you know, uh, making you realize that yes, we do need to have these discussions. Hmm. And the thing um, is, like, y- even in the Holy Quran, we read that you should prepare for your time, hmm. right? You never know that time can come. You know, <coughs> but. Uh, Every day you should be ready, yes. and this is also part of preparation that you are mentally ready for that—that that anything can happen. And mm-hmm. 
the end of the day uh you know that that is something that needs to be discussed but in a in a way that is positive and this is what what positivity looks like when Absolutely. it comes to this um yeah so we, i think we had two great topics and and time really has flown by exactly um yeah. there's so much that we have uh, learned today there's so much that we have been able to talk about today so uh, so yeah uh, great uh, thanks to to our I mean, uh, guests absolutely i mean for a long time as you were saying that these topics of death you know of death and organ donation has been you know sort of a cultural taboo and you know we're pleased that to you know, to say that we're slowly starting to see the change you know younger mm. generations especially are becoming increasingly open to this idea of uh, organ donation and i hope this you know this change in law will actually encourage more people um to have an open and honest conversation with their wider you know family members and you know once we die our organs are of no use you know they yeah, and it, it is best then you know therefore to gift your organs to yes. to patients who are desperately waiting for a life saving phone and, call and and that donation might even you know will definitely benefit you in the next life because yeah. it's a, it's a continuous it, charity it maybe the way it maybe the reason for your salvation for your salvation exactly. who knows who knows yes so um all right um Jazakallah thank you very much uh, that's all from uh, myself and Rahil here today join us uh, for another live uh, drive time show tomorrow um we'll also like to thank today's uh, producers who produced the show Soma Ahmed Tayyiba Nasir and Sofia Amir uh, may Allah bless them as well um we're coming to the end of the program as you, as as I mentioned so we're going to go to the news um from all of the drive time team here at voice of islam uh, jazakallah thank you for tuning in and uh, join you tomorrow assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh